right, everybody, welcome to the 330th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in sunny Rip City, and then I got my man. Sage, chilling live and direct here, about to talk about uh, another draft prospect. And this guy's really, really cerebral and smart. And normally for these these podcasts, I kind of lead the direction of like, Jairus is my favorite. Jet, we had a communal decision about Cam, but Jalen is your guy. So after you talk about his statistics, I want you to let the people know why you love Jalen Hood Shafino so damn much. I mean, you heard the man, the the prospect we are discussing today is uh, Indiana combo guard uh, Jalen Hood Shafino. He is a freshman, 6'6". Stands, uh, stands six six, weighs two hundred thirteen pounds. Five star prospect, according to rivals, was the the fourth rated uh, shooting guard, eighteenth prospect overall, uh, nationally. Just uh, ended his season this past weekend in the round of thirty two, as Miami lost to, or excuse me, as uh, Indiana lost to Miami. So his freshman season has wrapped up. Most uh, experts expect him to put his name into the NBA draft, just as we have seen from other prospects such as Maxwell Lewis and Taylor Hendricks. Um, It's kind of that time of year where seasons are over, players start to declare, and I wouldn't expect anything different from Hood Shafino. Uh, Played 32 games for the Hoosiers uh, and got a big, big role. 33 minutes per game uh, was the Big Ten freshman of the year. I believe he made a third team all Big Ten as well. Uh, averaged 13 and a half points per game on 42% from the field, 33 from three, 78 from the line, uh, grabbed four rebounds, handed out nearly four assists, and uh, almost uh, had one steal per game. The one problem area was the nearly three turnovers oh, yeah. per game um, with a, a player efficiency rating of, of 13. Uh, but Sage, this is a prospect that, you know, we had done so much of a deep dive last year. Like we put like basically so much blood, sweat and tears into the class of 2022. And we had a few life events for, for us as well. Uh, and the Blazers also started out really hot, right? They were 10 and four. We were starting to think nothing but playoffs. Uh, could this be, you know, a kind of a miracle season? And then quickly that that it, 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 we're, we're now in the same boat as we were last year it's so now we're i wouldn't say we're in scramble mode but we are there's an urgency to start to evaluate these prospects and uh and, you know i follow recruiting decently and it, it, hood shafino was a name i saw him on on the mocks and the first time I'm like you know who, who is that like I, I haven't heard of him so you know obviously the thing that stands out is you have a six six ball handler um the blazers desperately need size. We haven't had size at that position in, in ages. Really, you know, s- over six, four lead guards are, are rare to find in, in the NBA throughout history. And when you can grab one, you do because they just make life so much more difficult for the opposition. And, and that's really what I love about his game. So I, you know, started doing a deep dive, not, not just looking at the box scores, not just reading scouting reports, like going to the tape, seeing what his strengths are, seeing what his weaknesses are, and also realizing this is a 19-year-old prospect. And the more I've looked at this class, everyone has their warts. They're every You have to, when you're evaluating prospects, you have to say, 
one, are these warts? Can, can you, can you clear these up, you know, with some soap and water? Like, can, can these, can these be worked out and what skills do they have that can be translatable to the next level? Um, there are two things that he has that you just can't teach. One is that size at six, six. Um, the other one is, I think he has, you said it, he's a cerebral player who has an incredible feel for the game. And it didn't take long of watching tape to notice that. And that's where I instantly fell in love with this prospect. Um, right now, Tankathon has him uh, 16th on their big board and the ringer has him 14th. I do expect him to rise a bit on draft night. It wouldn't be surprising me to see him go right outside of that top 10. Um, he's going to impress in in workouts uh, once he once he gets there. And when you flip on the tape and you watch him play, there are some moves that he makes. And you're you're looking like you're watching a 10 year NBA veteran. Now mm-hmm. you're not watching a 19 year old in his first you know year playing D1 hoops in the Big Ten. You know he had a move against Purdue and All World Center Zach Eady. And he comes off the pick and roll. And that's he's fantastic operating in the pick and roll. So comfortable. Again, that is another skill set that is directly translatable to the NBA because the NBA, everything is operated out of that pick and roll. He's really comfortable with that. And he just reminds me so much of CJ McCollum when I was watching him because I, mm. I worked for the Blazers and we did a draft show with Mike Rice, Sarah, Casey. And CJ was my guy. I, I love CJ since watching him at Lehigh. And I, CJ wasn't the most athletic. Neither is Jalen Hood Shafino. But CJ's feel for the game, his pace, and even at 22 years old, his dribble package. Like he just, he was crafty. You know, the, the, CJ, crafty James McCollum. He has a, Hood Shafino has a lot of craftiness to his game. And that the play that, that I'm talking about, you go to any, you know, Purdue, Indiana highlights. Comes off the pick and roll. He's going downhill on the left side of the court. In one motion, he just uses his head to get the defender in the air, kind of stops a little bit, and then starts again. And it has he got Edie off of his uh off of his uh, rhythm, off of his rocker, and he had a clear path to the basket. And you watch him the way he really puts his defenders in a chamber, and they don't know which way he's going to go. Like he's good at really uh, backing them up, you know, kind of like Chris Paul does in the, in the mid range. He's just really smooth, really crafty. He has a, a nice crossover, a nice hesitation, perky jerkiness, but also really smooth and under control plays with a lot of pace. Um, there's just an unquantifiable feel that he has when I watch him play. And he is not a, a ready-made NBA player, but by no means like he, he really, needs to go to a system where he is able to play through mistakes because he is a developing playmaker. So I do understand why he's lower on some draft boards, but when, when I see him, I see a player who's already used to playing with an NBA prospect in trace Jackson Davis. They, they really ran the pick and roll uh, nicely with them. So he's used to playing with the big that can get it done and know where to get him the ball, not overpass him, let the big kind of do some of the work. And he just has such a smooth mid-range jump shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now the knock on him doesn't really have the the, the range out to three point quite yet, and he is a streaky mm-hmm. three point shooter. Like yes. you can just play roller coaster uh, tycoon with his box score because you I mean you're looking at some games against January 28th against Ohio State, six of nine uh, from downtown. January 5th against one. against Iowa. 
five of eight. The following game against Northwestern on January 8th, five of seven. But then you look at the last tournament game. He basically goes like O of seven, O of eight, and then he hits three more to kind of close the gap at, at the end of that contest. So he is a streaky shooter from downtown. I think once he gets some strength and some repetition, he will extend that range. But this is a player that you're not going to want to force out on the perimeter that deep. He is comfortable in the mid range. This is where he operates. He likes to get to his spots and if he does just become a respectable three-point shooter, the defenses aren't going to know how to defend him because you can't play drop coverage on a player that you know is going to hit an open standstill jumper. But if you play tight on him, he is going to use his body. He is very good at um, using his body to to find nooks and crannies and create just a little bit of space. He's, again, at 6'6". He's going to be much stronger and taller than almost everybody he's going up against. And I think that's just going to be such a swing factor when you're looking at drafting um, a, a prospect. And so just offensively, I love what he has, but what he can become is really tantalizing when you look at a 6'6 lead ball handler who plays with space or plays with pace and just has an overall knack for what he's doing. And those type of players, you saw it with Brandon Roy. You saw it with Damian Lillard. When you watch him, you're like, they've got it. And I don't care if they're not athletic because they're going to be in the league a long time. And you want players like that over, honestly, the John Morants and Russell Westbrooks because then they have to figure out feel for the game and shooting. And and those take a, those are so much harder to figure out. So, you know, the other players aren't blessed with that God-given athleticism, but that athleticism has a, a, a timer on it. And mm. it expires much faster than any other thing uh, when it comes to uh, professional basketball and usually around the 30 year mark uh, of age. So players like Hood Shafino, I love because for whatever reason, teams and scouts, they're going to devalue them. Like there's no reason Dame should have dropped to sixth in that draft, but he was a, you know, an older player, didn't have quite the athleticism, smaller school. They, they like to find you for those knocks. Um, but those are the same knocks that I think make a player great. And I, I see only, I would be very surprised if, if Huchifino doesn't come closer to his ceiling rather than his floor. And I think he does have a pretty safe floor. The ceiling may not be like crazy, like someone like the, yeah. the Thompson twins, mm -hmm. but I think he has a better chance of hitting a, a lower ceiling than, than those types of prospects. And so if you're looking for a relatively safe prospect, but with a decent room to grow, I don't know why more teams wouldn't be um, on the lookout for him. Um, but yeah, just, just that's, that's one of the main things when I watch a prospect is like, do the, does the, does it click? Like, how do they operate when you watch them? Like, are they getting buckets? How are they getting those buckets? It's just some of the things he was doing out, out of the pick and roll. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, him NBA and Jackson right Davis there. have a connection for sure. It, it, it was just NBA right there. So that's why I was really excited. And I was like, okay, this is the guy I want to talk about next. I want to get your, your take on it as well. I value your opinion. Um, I think you're a really good prospect evaluator. And I, I like to, to hear what, what you have to say. I think our biggest difference between prospects is the dribbling and playmaking abilities of players because I feel like he gets walled up quite a bit. And I think it might be because he isn't the most athletic and the most creative with his dribble moves to get those like easy victories. He gets met at the rim quite a bit, which is 
it's worrisome because he does have great touch, but he has to get to the places where he has to where the great touch happens. Like I think his mid-range game is really good, but how many how many teams outside of New Orleans is gonna favor that mid-range jumper? Like they have CJ and Brandon Ingram who love those stuff. I watched those game. I watched games where he was just absolutely looking like Trey Young because he has that confidence of once he gets shooting, he's gonna start shooting. I think his last game in the it, in his NCAA career, he shot like twenty plus times. So he has the the willingness to shoot, but just sometimes the 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 accuracy isn't there. I, I I've seen him take some really bad jumpers, especially in that last game where it was just brick city sometimes. Um. I, th- I think that because he was in that Indiana system with Jackson Davis, it made up for a lot of his issues with play. I don't think he's like a true blue playmaker. I think he's a combo no, guard that passes. I agreed. And also, you said Indiana. They're, head, they're coached by Mike Woodson, former coach of New yeah, York Knicks. Totally. So that, that is another bonus when you're looking at um, prospects is who who's coaching them. But when you look at like, they they do a lot of predetermined passes. It isn't him reading and reacting. They're going to run a pick and roll. Jackson Davis is going to run to the hoop, and Huchifino is going to give him the ball. So it makes me think, okay, he 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 can hit those predetermined reads, but he what happens? The minimum. Yeah, like what happens when he has to make a decision in the NBA where there isn't those predetermined reads? Like he has to make a play happen. So it makes me think he's. He's more of a combo guard than a true playmaker point guard, which ain't a bad thing. He's he's got the size to be a good combo guard, but it makes me think like, do we need to have a Damian Lillard in place for him to truly hit, hit his hit his ceiling, which I think is achievable. But I, I mean, like the offense, it it's all predetermined on that shot. Like if he can hit the shot at a, a good rate. He's not going to get taken off the floor because he's a damn good defender. But the thing that I noticed outside of like the 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 freshman mistakes where he just dribbles into into multiple people causes a turnover, passing cross court, trying to do too, too much, or falls in love with Jackson Davis and force yep. feeds Jackson Davis, who I think is a very nice prospect. But like he just has eyes for him. Like I, I. In the games I watched, it was like, oh, I'm I'm giving it to Jackson Davis and letting him do his thing. I, I I see the calm, cool, collected guy, but sometimes he gets rushed up in his thinking, and it's it it, it isn't the best thing. So when when the pressure's not on and he can just do his thing, he I, I really do like what he can do. And then just defensively, I think, damn, he's a very good defender. Yeah, I really like. So you mentioned the pressure, and one thing about the NBA is he's not going to be the top dog right off the bat. He's not going to have defenses focused in on him. He's going to have multiple Jackson Davises to to look for and figure figure it out. Um, A lot of the things with college, I you know, obviously watching Purdue get upset by Fairleigh Dickinson, their offense is like you get the ball, you you dump it into Zach Eady, like that. Mm -hmm. That is your job on offense. So I do think a lot of the offense is probably predicated on we've got an All American power forward. Give him the ball. Like the mm-hmm. first and foremost, you you give him the ball or otherwise you're coming off of the floor. So I think there is some of that going on. But yeah, of course he's gonna fall in love with that. I've seen Justin Herbert fall in love with Dylan Mitchell. 
his sophomore year because that's the only receiver he had and like that he just locked in on him like mm. that happens uh but he also grew from that i i am willing to gamble and you mentioned it I think he is more of a combo than, than a true point. And I don't yeah. think there's, I don't think it's, it's Halliburton or Lonzo ball type of floor vision at that height. But if I am drafting him, no matter the team, if I am drafting him, I give him at least two years as the ball handler, as the point guard, I need to see if you can be, if, if, if his vision and playmaking and dribbling can be unlocked. And the only way to do that is to really put him in position and kind of let him get his feet wet. Um, Otherwise you're not going to know, like you're not going to know watching his tape because he just didn't get those type of looks or reads at at, at Indiana system. Mm. You're probably not going to get that at the combine. You're not going to get that in one-on-one workouts. Like there has to be some interviews that you go along with them. Maybe some, some tells maybe that you see in tape, maybe random uh, spontaneous plays on the fly where you're like, yeah, I think this guy can do it. So there is a lot of faith and um, taking a lot of leaps with these prospects that that you say, like, we didn't know what he could do from his collegiate days, but we believe he can, or we're going to roll the dice and hope that he can, because that unlocks a whole other level of a prospect. But before you make that decision, you have to be okay if that doesn't work. Like if you're taking him at 10, you have to say, okay, if this, if this doesn't work, do we still like him as a prospect? Like you, you have to, when you're looking at a prospect, you have to, you have to look at their floor. Are you okay with that? Because that is a, that is a good chance he hits that floor. Like this is the, the bare minimum type of player that you're going to get. Um, and, and so when you you're at that do- height, when you're at like 10 and, and above having a rotational player is preferred. Like when you're below that, you want the star potential, but when you're at like 10 to 12, Give me a guy that can be a rotation player in the league. There's not that many star. There is not that many stars in this draft. There's two, and then there's a shitload of good role players. Unknowns. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns, and there's a lot of role players. And you know, we we look at a player like Jalen Brunson, taken really late in the first round, another senior guard from from Villanova. Now he's probably going to be all NBA. Mm-hmm. And again, wasn't the most athletic. Scouts probably thought he tapped out with his potential. It's it's so important to know. Not only he is he 19, but a lot of these players are going to be under 22. That that is so crazy to me that we're tapping guys out and saying no, they're too old. Bullshit. Like there's well, still you see so... that with Terrence Shannon. Like I, I would have him in the top 20, and I see him at the 56, 57. That I'm like, God damn. What's, yeah, there's what's, what's we, the we, we have to stop doing that as 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 talent evaluators and say, oh, they they, they can no longer grow once once they're once they're not a teenager. What that, about that's, Draymond that's... Green? Like, there's there's guys that just work past Desmond Bain. There's just good play. Like, as as long as you, I would rather take, and if we're talking like 15, 16, I'd rather just take the good player instead of the potential because. At that level, what if that potential never happens and you just have a guy that's four years and done? I'd rather have the guy that's going to be a 10-year vet on my team. Those are hard to come by. Um, But you mentioned it uh, defensively. I really like his on-ball defense. Moves his feet really well side to side. Again, at 6'6". I think it's that it. it's the IQ in this the the, the cerebralness. He's just that. a very smart, intelligent basketball player. The size again is a huge swing factor for me because let's say you want to play small or you want to play or a team wants to seek him out in a pick and roll. 
it's going to be tough for them. He's 6'6". That's small forward size. So he's now able to at least match up size-wise on a lot of these bigger guards or uh, forwards. And I, Do you I think, think that, he's that one a, through three? I think he's one through three. It, it depends on the three, but like I think you can get away with it. Like you're not you're not worried about it. Uh, again, with damn near every prospect that we've scouted, off ball is an issue. Off ball takes time to learn. He gets caught ball watching. It's tougher to be engaged off ball. Off ball, you have to keep your head on a swivel at all times, and you have to do that for what. 60, 70, 80 possessions at the collegiate level. That's going to ratchet up to 90 to 100 possessions at the NBA level over 82 games. Um, so off ball has um, work to be done, but we said the same thing about Shade and Sharp. I mean, there's there's things that you have to get repetitions doing. You have to play. Um, but again, the the feel for the game, the, the, the cerebral feel, just the overall, just, yeah, he just has that unquantifiable it factor for me when it comes to knowledge that I think he can become a solid off-ball defender, knowing the passing lanes, reading scouting reports, learning tendencies. Um, that I I'm willing to bet that that becomes at least at least a, a neutral for for him um, down the line. Mm. Yeah. It, it, so I think it's pretty obvious that with his IQ, he fits in the future with Shaden. Do you think that fit with Shaden Sharp is going to be a good one? And does the 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 playmaking factor in in the fit with Shaden Sharp? Like, if he doesn't hit his playmaking marks, is he a good fit with him? It's a really good question. Good questions. I you know I should say um, first of all, I love the fit with with Shaden. I mean, going from Damon CJ now Damon Ant, then you have two guards six six and six seven in your backcourt, like. I absolutely love the size that Portland would be able to have. Um, Shaden plays really well off ball. Um, again, we would love to see him a little bit with more on ball reps. So I think there is a nice balance that the two could have. Now, if you do draft Hood Shafino as kind of like that combo guard to play next to him for, for the foreseeable future, I absolutely think one of your other three players in that that lineup has to be a playmaker, whether it's a, a Yusuf Nurkic, a prime Batum, uh, someone like that, even a Jairus Walker type. If we're talking oh, about this no, draft, don't tease me like that. <laughs> who's able to make plays out of the short roll? Who can catch the ball in the middle of the floor and then kind of like uh, make decisions uh, in, in in an instant? I think that would help. Um, so I, I think I think you could definitely um, get away with that um, if he never becomes that that playmaker. One, I mean, we want Shaden Sharp to be the, the the highest ceiling possible, so he needs to become a playmaker as well. So I think you're also banking on that. You can't just say Shaden's 19, he's not, he can't do it now, he's never going to be able to do it. No, you need to develop him into a playmaker as well. So maybe if you don't hit on Hood Shafino as that top tier uh, playmaker and decision maker, Shaden needs to be able to step up and take more of those on ball reps so they can kind of play off of each other in that backcourt but um i i'm i still am i i trust I'm, i would put it my faith in in jalen to become at least a, a plus decision maker at the next level in by the time his rookie contract is up okay i mean are you worried about the the athleticism offensively because i think defensively he's fine like the He's just so smart defensively, but 
if he's getting walled up by college defenders, is there a worry that he's going to get destroyed by NBA defenders that aren't going to give him any space and he can't get to his spots where he's just buckets? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think the athleticism is a reason why he's not projected to go higher. I just think those type of players are just so rare where they have everything that you want. You have to kind of take the good with the bad. And one thing to note is like, it's kind of someone who I look at like CJ didn't have the athleticism and he didn't have the, the finishing package or the dribble package coming out of Lehigh that he does now. Like he worked on his game and now he's able to do things that he wasn't able to. He yeah, he can finds, finish in the. Mm-hmm. He finds ways to create space. He uses his head, uh, his eyes. Uh, he uses his handle. Like he uses his his whole body to throw the defense off without being overly quick or overly athletic. Um, that's a player. If I'm Hutch, you know, I, I I study. I look at how he's able to create space because CJ does have enough space. One thing I do love is Huchifino has a high release on the jump shot so that he's able to get the shot off and he's six, six. So if he's guarding against, if you're trying to put a a smaller point guard on him, he really could just rise up um, Mm. to be perfectly honest over, over the top. And so that's another, that's just such a bonus to have that size. Like right now, like if he were a four-year prospect, I think you're a little bit more worried if he's getting walled up and, and not able to finish. But with him being 19, there there is just so much additional growth. Like we as humans still grow um, at, at at that age, so he could he could grow physically, mentally. Um, I think there is room for him to get tighter with the handle, learn those moves, become more crafty. Um, so I again I, I'm not too concerned. I, I really again obviously I really like this prospect. I I think he's much. I, I don't think he's a finished prospect product by any stretch of of the imagination. You know it's 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 where we're if we get Huchifino, it's where we select him. I would feel very worried if it's with the Blazers pick. I would be ecstatic if it was with the Knicks pick or if we traded up. Like let's say we trade up, I would be ecstatic. It's just like him at six through 10. I'm like, I'm terrified, but 12 through wherever I'm, I'm hyped. We get a guy that I think is going to be a rotation player for his entire career, getting like three contracts, but it's just, it's just like, it's where it is. I I don't want to put so much resources into him if it's with the Blazers pick. But I, I, I truly think that he's going to be in the NBA for a long time. Yeah, I think the floor is is incredibly high for him. And again, we we've discussed if if like one or two guys aren't on the board at six or seven, trade down because there's yeah. just there's too much variance with the players that are projected in that mid to late lotto. Um, pick up some extra assets. Like we we talked about this. If our guy's gone, and then we have seven you definitely look at Utah and say, Hey, do you want to trade 13 and 15 yeah. for seven? Yeah. Absolutely. And, then, one of those... and then I'm totally hyped with yeah. uh, Shafino. So do you have anything else you want to talk about? Or are we talking our comps? Cause I have some weird ones. Let's hear your comps. So I think there's one where there, there's multiple variations on what he can be. Like, I would say he reminds me a lot of Jalen Williams from Oklahoma city. The pick and roll reads, the defense, like I could see that. 
but we really don't know what Jalen Williams is going to be. So I shouldn't say, you know, he's going to be Jalen Williams. I don't know what his future holds, but right now he looks like a legit player. Um, I think if the playmaking never, never shows someone like shit, who's the guy in New York. That's the guy from uh, Alabama. Shit. Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes. I think he's Quentin Grimes because I think Quentin he played at Houston. Shit. Well, it was I, I knew it was red and in the south. <laughs> I knew it was red in the, in the south. But like I think Grimes is a great defender. He doesn't really touch the ball that much except to shoot it. Like I think that if he doesn't develop any playmaking, he's in that realm of low usage, great defender, shooter that's can catch flames, but is kind of high variance with the shot. But if his playmaking does come around, you know who I was really thinking? Like, you told me you love J- Jalen Hood Shafino. I was like, all right, I'll watch it. I'm like, are you making me watch a 6 6 version of Eric Snow? Because, like, Eric Snow, he, he does his, he did his work with LeBron or Allen Iverson, high usage guy. He played defense. He did the little things to make the team work. And I think that's what Jalen Huchifino is. He's going to do all the little things to make your team win. And when I saw that, I thought of Eric Snow's old ass. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a name I haven't heard in a minute. I know, but like, when I, like cerebral, a little slow, good defender. It does all the small things in, to allow you to win. Played in the league from like, I think he was drafted by the Supersonics, played with LeBron James. So he's had a very long career of either being a starting player or a rotation player coming off the bench. Yeah, I I couldn't find, I still can't. I I don't know what his floor is in terms of a player, but I do think he's at least a role player Mm -hmm. for at least six to 10 years. Like, I think he's, he'll be in the league for quite a bit. The the middle of the road, um, and it's something I really did like. Uh, the, the ringer said he has shades of Spencer Dinwiddie, and and I I can definitely see that uh, Dinwiddie plays on and off the ball. Uh, not the not the most purest of point guards, but he has great size. He has the ability to catch fire from downtown, and generally, whatever team he goes on, he contributes. Yeah. Like and, and he can be a a pretty mid mid level starter. Uh, in the league. And so I think if you're drafting Huchifino, like you should expect to get a career arc similar uh, to that of Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, I kind of want to combine two players. Like, is this I, your middle of the road? Yeah. Like, okay. I think Lance Stevenson was oh, okay. really good decision making. Cause you see when Lance gets into Lance mode, he is, he, he has no conscience about shooting when Huchifino is hot he's launching that shit and they're both tall they both have playmaking skills hushifino's one of his biggest issues is how bad he is at turnovers lance loves doing that shit so it's it's and i think he has a little malcolm brogdon in in him too Oh, that's that's a great that's a great one i love that one but i I think lance just because of the size and the the, all of the things that both of them do Kind of, kind of reminds me of them. That's a really good one. Um, my ceiling is also a combination of of two players. If 
he's got the the mid range of DeMar DeRozan, but the side, but the um, but the floor vision and playmaking of CJ McCollum. So again, you're you're not getting the you're not getting the pure pure point guard. But when CJ runs the point, he can rack up a few assists. Uh, DeMar DeRozan's more of a two. But like when I watch him in that mid range, whether it's the high level jump shot, how he sneaks through the defense, navigates the pick and roll, just loves that midi. Like that, that's Demar right there. And then when I see him running downhill, using hesitations and these, you know, dribble packages to figure it out without having elite athleticism, like I remember seeing that a lot in Lehigh when CJ was doing that. So if he hits, I think you're getting this Demar. CJ six six hybrid that can be your lead lead ball handler, and I think that's really, um, I think that's really exciting. If if you're a scout and you like say this 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 is our potential ceiling, that that's one of the most unique players um, in the league. I got a ninetieth, and then my pie in the sky hundredth. I think he's Mike Conley. Okay, I like that. And then pie in the sky, Dejounte Murray. The defense. If he develops the playmaking to that level, I think DeJounte is, I don't think it happens, but I think there's a non-zero chance it happens. Like, I think DeJounte could happen, but, you know, I mean, I'm happy with using my 16th pick on Malcolm Brogdon, too, or Lance Stevenson, like that. And for being honest, like, most teams would be happy using your 7th pick on that, because Malcolm Brogdon's a very good player. Well, and... Mike Conley. I mean, I would you know, if yeah. I if I had the sixth pick, I would take Mike Conley to the sixth pick all day long. That career, absolutely. Hutchifino has to hit the three point shit for uh, the Malcolm Brogdon comp because he's gonna he's gonna win six man of the year shooting like 50, 40, 90. But I I I, fi- I feel like the Lance Stevenson is very attainable. I I I mean the Dejounte is just such a pie in the sky thing, but I think it's possible. But like I, I, I think at worst you're getting a rotation combo guard that does some things, and then if he hits, I think he's a starting level combo guard that, you know, makes life easier for your superstar player. I don't think there's any way that, or there's a very little chance that he becomes a superstar that you need to build around. But I think that he's the guy that raises the ceiling so the superstar can be the superstar that he wants to be. Yeah, I think he's a borderline all-star year in the year out. If he hits. Yeah. Okay, because I, I feel very confident with, yeah, he's a role player that could st- be a spot starter. But the all-star thing, I think, is very pie in the sky for me. But I think th- the reason we decided to do this dra- this player in this time is because you liked him, not me. So I'm glad that you have a higher opinion of him than I do. I think that that's good because, you know, if, if 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 this was my guy, I was like, yeah, I think a role player is good, you know, like, but again, it, it's where we pick them. That, 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 that's all it is for me, man, because seven, I feel like you have to have a star potential. But you also there... have to know the, the board, too, right? You have yeah. to know what other teams value him as. If other teams have him at 15 and you're taking him at seven, that's just not utilizing the draft. Yeah. to your full fullest capabilities like you have to we have, have to, to be a, we have to be one piece away if we take him at seven because we just know that oh he's the missing piece you have to be 100 percent sure that you can't get him if you trade down if that that is your guy yeah. like otherwise you need to 
you need to, 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 to read the rooms to find your sources and say, oh, this team wants them. Okay. I, they're not going to jump ahead of me, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever. Like you, you just have to know like where he is at on other teams boards. Like uh, for instance, if Jairus Walker's on the board and Orlando's there, I feel pretty, pretty damn safe that it, if we're behind Orlando or getting Jairus Walker, because you have to also have, they have a bunch of Jairus Walkers, but they won't trade with Orlando too. So yeah. Yeah, but like again, you have to know what teams value each prospect, and that's why it's good to yeah. keep it under wraps. Um, it's going to be an interesting uh, draft here. The as we're recording, it's the twenty second. There is basically there are four teams bunched up between five and eight. You've got Orlando, Portland, Indiana, and Washington. Um, that really all could interchangeably be in those those picks. Uh, I think I to, think Washington's actually trying to make the plan. They lost to Orlando. Um, or I think Orlando's actually trying to make it like they're playing. Gary Harris is getting real minutes for them. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're trying. Uh, Indiana's the one you have to watch out for. Mm-hmm. They keep resting Matherin and Halliburton. Um, but if you go to 538 and you just type in uh, NBA pr- predictions for 2023, it has a daily update of how they feel, you know, projected record, chance of making the playoffs, chance of winning the finals. I check that every day. The projected record right now would be in terms of uh, five, six, seven, eight, Orlando, Portland, Indiana, Washington, each position separated by a game, mm-hmm. one win. So that's why it's really important to just, you know, grin and bear it. Take your medicine with these uh, next 11 games and hopefully Portland can end up at five or six heading into the draft. So they, they just have more options uh, and and they can do more things and whether it's build around Dame or build for the future, uh, you're giving yourself the best possible chance at enhancing your organization and, and your roster. All right, man. We will be back next week to talk more draft. Um, do you have any anyone you want to talk about or do we want to keep it secret, even though we've never kept any of these secret? Um, I would say for our fans, watch Arkansas. That okay. game against UConn is going to be I am that's one I am really looking forward to. UConn's got a guard, Jordan Hawkins. Um, full disclosure, I also pissed, picked UConn to win the tournament, so I'm hoping they win. Oh, I, uh, actually, I actually need them to lose. I have a hundred percentile uh bracket right now, so I would prefer me to do well rather than you, the one person who doesn't have a perfect bracket in this podcast. So I would need Arkansas to win uh, and then Alabama go, to win the whole thing. Let's go UConn. Uh, let's hope Bama stubs their toe mightily. No, uh, no, 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 no. Hundred percent lineup, man. We we we're rocking with them until the wheels fall off at the uh, NCAA the gonna, tournament. The wheels are going to fall off for Bama, but stay. Watch uh, Anthony Black, point guard for for Arkansas. Uh, he'll probably be one of our our next guys that that we take probably a deep Nick dive Smith into. as well. Full disclosure, I've not seen Nick Smith play. I've only seen really? Black. Okay, because I he's I been hurt. He has. I hurt. think he's really, really skilled. And then Ricky Council's been a fucking mm-hmm. stud muffin in this in this uh NCAA tournament. I think he's definitely worth a, a second round pick. And I know that we have one. But yeah, so uh I, I would like to focus on Anthony Black, maybe do a separate one on Nick Smith, but I I, I am excited more excited to to look at Black. I've already done some some homework on him. And again, he was um 
he's been in in the tournament. Smith, whenever I turn the game on, he's been either in foul trouble or or something. So it's been been tougher to get a read. But Black, hard he's to a miss. Bad boy. I he, mean, he's our, full disclosure. I like him more than Hutchifino. I know you do, actually. and I, I disagree with that. So that's why it'll be funny too. Uh, so I, I think mean, it might be good to do a better defender, a better passer. So that, that shot's broke. Broke yeah. for me at the end of the month. <laughs> And Hoshifino's shot is so perfect. Looks, it's workable. I love that we're arguing, and I'm not deleting any of this. It's good. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this bad boy up. All right, man. So we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya, anywhere where you get your podcast. We are there. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the Holy Backboard, and we will be back next week talking about Anthony Black and maybe Ricky Council because I don't think he deserves his own podcast, but I think that he deserves a mention. All right, so peace out, everybody.